Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 439. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Our partnership with Florist Review is such a valuable one, providing a forum for beautiful and inspiring editorial content in the Slow Flowers Journal section, month after month. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 439. Our first sponsored thank you goes to Farmers Web. Farmers Web software makes it simple for flower farms to streamline working with their buyers. By lessening the administrative load and increasing efficiency, Farmers Web helps your farm save time, reduce errors, and work with more buyers overall. Learn more at farmersweb.com. I'm so delighted today to welcome Hans Larson and Lisa Larson, partners in Sunborn Gardens, a Wisconsin flower farm and design studio with a long history in cut flower growing. Tucked in a little valley near downtown Mount Horeb, Sunborn has been growing beautiful cut flowers for over 40 years. Hans and Lisa run the flower farm and design studio, working closely together to create unique and artful floral. The farmer and florist relationship is what makes their floral designs one of a kind, as they constantly trial new varieties and color palettes to showcase the best Wisconsin has to offer. All the farming is done using organic practices in order to properly care for their family's land. Sunborn's modern designs are inspired by the garden, full of specialty blooms, heirloom varieties, and rich with texture. Sunborn Gardens founder, Carol Larson, is Han's mother. Carol originally began to sell at the Dane County Farmer's Market in Madison 44 years ago. Her love affair with flowers began with a bucket of orange marigolds, and she and Sunborn have grown cut flowers ever since. Many of you will recall that Carol is a pioneering cut flower farmer who co-founded Fairfield Flowers, a marketing cooperative of Wisconsin and Illinois specialty cut flower growers. Fairfield Flowers permanently closed as of January 1st, 2019, but the roots of this legendary and innovative regional model remain deep in Wisconsin, in markets like Madison and Milwaukee and other markets formerly served by the cooperative. To learn more, please see our show notes where I will list all of the partners who were active in Fairfield Flowers when it came to a close. These are talented people who really made a mark on the Wisconsin floral scene and whose reach went far beyond the Midwest through education, workshops, and sharing their knowledge generously. Here's a bit more about flower farmer Hans Larsen. Hans writes this, When the opportunity to take over the family farm business came up, I had just had my first child. It was in that moment that I knew I had to do it. I wanted my daughter to live the magical, nature-filled life that I had as a kid. I wanted her to play in those woods and talk to the flowers. This is by far the hardest thing I have ever done. Learning greenhouse production, bookkeeping, seed starting, and more is no walk in the park. I keep showing up for the flowers. The entrepreneurship journey is an interesting one, full of ups and downs, but unlike the jobs I had before, this gig feeds the soul. Working so closely with my designer wife, we are cultivating something really special. And here's what Lisa has to say. I married into this wonderful flower family of mine. When Hans first had the idea to take over his mother's flower farm, I was skeptical. I was about to move my entire life to a new city and become a farmer. I eventually found myself helping out in the design studio, and it was there I found my calling. I had studied fine arts in college, and I was set on becoming a teacher. But through long days at the workbench, creating art by using flowers as my medium, I was hooked. 
All the elements and principles of design I once studied were being applied on a daily basis and I wanted more, more, more. I apprenticed with my mother-in-law for a few years, learning all I could. And I now run the design studio with a small, very talented staff to produce weddings almost every weekend. I am constantly inspired by what is growing all around me. There really is nothing better than a fresh cut local stem. Well, I can't wait for you to hear the next chapter of Sunborn Gardens and be inspired by the changes that Lisa and Hans have brought to the farm. Changes that work with their lifestyle of living off-farm and juggling farming and studio design responsibilities while parenting three young children. As Lisa and Hans like to joke, it takes two of them to match the skills of Carol Larson. They are all quite fortunate to have one another along this journey, with Carol continuing to share her heirloom body of knowledge, a phrase my friend Diane Sukavati of Jellamold Farm once coined, with the next generation. So let's jump right in and get started. You can find photos and links to Sunborn's social places in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to introduce a husband and wife team, Lisa and Hans Larson of Sunborn Gardens, and they're in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Hans. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about Sunborn Gardens uh, today, and then we're also going to talk about the history because this is a you're a pretty established uh, flower farm. Can you give me first of all, where is Mount Horeb in the state of Wisconsin? Like, is it near a city, or I'm trying to place this on a map? It's about 45 minutes southwest from um, Madison, which is probably our biggest city center. Um, we're kind of located right below Mount Horeb, about four miles. Uh, south of Mount Horror. Okay. But I will Madison's, look, your Madison's your market. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll look at a map. Well, um, that just shows my lack of geographical knowledge about Wisconsin. So, uh, yeah. So give us a snapshot of Sunborn Gardens because I know you have a lot of facets to your business. We definitely have a lot going on. Sometimes it feels like too much going on. Um, but because we were a flower farm, or we are a flower farm, for 40-plus years, and Hans is doing the uh, taking it over for his mother, mm-hmm. um, we continue to grow flowers as our main source of income on the farm. That is really all we've ever done. Um, and our biggest operation, or our biggest part of our sales, is weddings. Um, that's just kind of how where Hans and I have taken it recently. Uh, we still do wholesale, and we do CSAs. Um, we have a great farmer's market, and um, I'm just starting to dabble in some workshops as well this year. Oh, wow. Well, so- um, uh, our farm itself is 23 acres, but we grow on about uh, three and a half acres. We have three um, hoop houses that are 100 uh, feet long by 30 feet wide, and uh, we probably grow a majority of our flowers in our high tunnels, at least the most dynamic stuff. Um, but we... we uh, we really specialize in dahlias is kind of our big thing, especially in the late season, but we love tulips and uh, zinnias. We grow probably a little over 200 different flowers wow. um, in a season. I think that would be highly diversified. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. ha- like Hans, what right now, I mean, of course it's the end of January. Would you have anything going in those high tunnels that, that you've started already or are you just getting things planted? So the high tunnels right now, I have, um, uh, I have these uh, kind of, I put low tunnels within the high tunnels oh. where I kind of solarize the soil so I can get ready to plant ranunculus. And usually I do that at the very beginning of March. Um, I'm actually, today I'm going to start soaking my uh, my corn for ranunculus and, and anemones uh, and get them kind of potted to get going. That's um, right. But I, I'm also doing uh, lucianthus right now. And um, I also do have my tulips that I put in from uh, last year. And... Uh, a little bit of the uh, of biannuals, like Canterbury Bell, mm. um, in there as well. So yeah, the, we do a lot of. Oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. We do a lot of tulips in the sorry for our spring markets, and so we plant all those in our high tunnels to hit those early markets where we have no competition. That is, I was just going to ask, like, uh, well, or comment that this is a total season extension strategy. So uh, your zone is well, you're like in zone four, right? Or 
how cold is it? Uh, well, so it's technically, I mean, it's, they call it a 5A zone now, but it's still, it's been, it's 4B as far as I, as long as I've known it. Um, and it can get really cold. So and we always just, 4B is what we always consider it. You're so smart, though, to say what I think to follow up on Lisa's comment, like getting product in the market when maybe there's no other flowers being offered like that. This is at the farmer's market or wholesale or all of the above. Um, Farmer's market. Mm -hmm. We don't normally sell our tulips wholesale because you can't get that great of a price because they're coming in from Holland so cheap to florists. Yeah. Um, Now, I try a little more this year with like those colors that are really sought after, like the browns and things like that. Um, but we do really good because we have a great market. It's that largest producer only market in the United States. Um, you get tons of people walking through and in April, everybody's craving color again. And their sunborn shows up with all that good juiciness and people freak out, I'm sure. Yeah, but we cannot keep enough tulips in our buckets. Like we could bring everything we have plus another truckload up, especially for Mother's Day. Oh, right. And then Mother's Day is like, when everybody else comes around Mother's Day with their outdoor stuff. And so, like, we have a good month um, where we're kind of the only ones with these specialty items. And they're higher value flowers, too. I mean, you're you're getting kind of um, a premium for them, I'm imagining, on the pricing. Yeah. Well, we need to because we're planting it in a high tunnel, which is premium space. And, you know, tulip bulbs are expensive. And so it's, we need to get that premium price for them. And that's just been our best outlet so far. How do you, you don't think of it as so premium, but when you when you get them and you see them, it just it they're absolutely stunning. Yeah, you don't have to tell the customer they're premium. It sounds like the flowers do that work for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, just to follow up on that, because I'm sure listeners uh, will want to know if you're willing to share, like how do you bunch and price those spring uh, varieties? Are they only straight variety bunches, or are you doing mixed bouquets as well? So at that time of year, it, we only have tulips. Um, for the first few markets. And so I make sure to plant enough diversity of color and like varieties of tulips. So I make sure to have some, you know, lily flowering tulips and some parrot tulips mixed with singles and doubles in there in, in colors that will coordinate. And so I mix them based on like color, my own color palettes. Um, and the only thing we have for filler at that time, we force some branches to mix in there. And then we put them in a pretty paper um, and they sell really well just by themselves as juicy tulips. Great. And how, like, roughly, what are the price ranges for those? I think we do eight tulips with filler for 14. 14 or 15. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably, it's the zone where it is where perceived value of flowers is probably lower than it is um, in, in like, the Chicago area or, like, the Boston, Mm -hmm. uh, New York market. Yeah. So it's the price (laughs) is down. You got to do that dollar fifty a stun for a tulip. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing people along with with on that uh continuum. Hopefully next year maybe you can bump it up a little bit. We try to every year. Uh, <laughs> <So>. Check. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Also, you know, there's other growers now who are going to be there doing the exact same thing we're doing in that same space. So we'll see how that goes. I think mm-hmm. it's fun. I think the more the merrier for people it's a good idea to have flowers really early at those markets. Yeah. So Lisa, you mentioned that you um, are uh, also doing a lot of wedding design. Uh, and uh, I just would love to know a little bit how that works uh, from the growing side flowing into the design side. Like how do you, do you, do people approach you at the farmer's market and ask you if you design weddings or are you at a completely different level in terms of marketing Sunboard Gardens weddings? You know, I never want to say I'm at any level. I'm just doing the best I can. I definitely promote my weddings a lot at our market. Um, I have like a book out of work I've done. Um, Just built my portfolio over the years, training with Carol and then just trying things on my own. Thank God I had the flowers to practice with. Um, And then I have like some nice materials I can take with them. I do get, I would say, 30% of my weddings from people finding me at the market. Mm. Um, just like loving us over time. Like, Oh, I came every day with my boyfriend. We walked around the square. I've always wanted your flowers for my wedding. Those are my favorite stories. And I know they already love my work, so I don't really have to sell them too hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I get a lot of brides as well from just, you know, being, having an online presence, a a website that's working for you. And I like Instagram a lot. That just Mm kind of naturally became our thing. 
Um, and so I get a lot of brides that way as well. But at some point, I have to sell them, like, you have to be flexible on the flower choices or I'm not for you. Um, and I try to make that as clear as possible in all the things I write or all the things around my website that this is a little different. You're going to be, you know, kind of at the mercy of the season. So in September, you're going to want, you're going to have to have dahlias as your main flower. Mm-hmm. That's right. just what we're doing. Now, if you want a certain color palette or, if, you know, you want it very classic and you want it really wild, we can work with that. But you're going to have to kind of be flexible, flexible to what's growing. And it took me a lot of time to learn how to sell it that way. There was a lot of failure, I think, in meetings with people <laughs> that tell you learn, like, you know, I should say it differently this time. And I think I've finally gotten there um, with how to sell it. And now, it, you know, because I know what flowers I have, because those are consistent. The growing part, Hans has down. I don't do much of the growing. Um, the most farm, um, the most things I get my hands dirty in with the farm is basically when the flowers are ready grown. So I'll harvest and I'll bunch. I'll do wholesale in the farmer's market. I'll take that flower when it's ready. But <laughs> up until then, that's all Hans and his team. <laughs> what a wonderful division of labor. <laughs> Yeah, I can't, we can't do it all. It's too, it's too much. Well, I mean, there's inspirational things, too, that we do, such as, like, we go walk out into the prairie and forage and get different ideas, too, that's mm-hmm. mixed in there. So where's the prairie? Is it just, I mean, are you in a pretty rural area so that it's just down the street, or? So we had, a, um, one thing that's kind of cool is that um, our, our land that we have is, is adjacent to a, a native restored prairie that was restored in the 70s and 80s and the 90s and then kind of went, um, and they kind of sold the land and the person who was doing it retired. And, uh, the person who just bought the land has left the prairie alone. So it's been, uh, kind of wild for the last, uh, 10 years. So we've been kind of going in there, kind of keeping it up and, uh, pulling it, uh, pulling what we need from it, but also keeping the prairie still, uh, established. And it's, it works really well with our brand. It's pretty neat. So is that mainly, um, like, American wildflowers, uh, you know, annuals or biennials or, and grasses. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, it's I, all native, all native Wisconsin, uh, prairie stuff. Wow. Uh, the things I like using the most are the solidagos, the echinaceas, the rutabecchias. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really pretty wild baptisia and gentian in there as well. Um, it's yeah. just so much fun. Those are just those fun little touches that you're not going to find from a wholesaler. Yep. That are just those local oh. little dancing things that I just love. Indian grasses. And yeah, lots of grasses and things. It, it's it's really it's really a fun thing that we we uh, we do at our play, at, at our farm. It's one of our favorite places to go harvest. <laughs> I cannot believe that all of that just naturalizes uh, because the native habitat. It's part of it, reflective of the native habitat, and now it's been kind of reestablished. Uh, and now you're kind of the caretakers of it. Um, that's mind blowing. I bet it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I mean, we're really fortunate to have that, um, relationship with our neighbor who had that native seed business and the fact that we're able to use her, you know, all her years of hard work to pick these special things. And her name is uh, Joyce Powers and, uh, she did the Prairie Ridge Nursery and, uh, it was a pretty cool business. Wow. Wow. I'm glad you brought that up, Hans, too. Like this was a a fellow kind of horticulture neighbor and it's not like you're clear cutting or illegally foraging. You're kind of, um, you have an agreement and you're probably very careful about what you're picking on that land. Um, It's not like you're going out into the wild necessarily. Correct. Right. We actually rent the land um, from the person who owns it now. Um, that's the only reason we're like, please don't burn it for something else. <laughs> so we'll rent it. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we would have torn up the corn probably years ago. Yeah, she had sold her land. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, we'll have to share some photos so people can get a snapshot of what that uh, beautiful place looks like. Um, but I, I want to pivot oh, to sure. I want to yeah, <laughs> I want to pivot to your path, and I, I feel like we should start with Hans because. Um, he, you, as I understand it, you grew up on a flower farm. Is that correct? Yeah, I grew up on the flower farm. Um, the same I, farm. The same farm. Yeah. I, was, I was born in uh, 79. And my mother started, my mother is Carol Larson, who is just an amazing, uh, uh, amazing woman in agriculture. She's been pushing local flowers since the beginning of time, it seems. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, she started doing the uh, Dane County Farmer's Market, which is just a dynamic market we have in Madison. And 
and she uh, she we started growing tomatoes and uh, marigolds, and she went up to the market. And she only sold the marigolds and she didn't sell any tomatoes. So she's like, well, flowers for me. <laughs> and uh, she's been doing that kind of ever since. When I was born, uh, my mother didn't stop uh, farming by any means. <laughs> and she would just put me in a, in a little like wicker basket and bring me up to the market and set me there with play with and stuff like that. There when we had to give away kittens. And I'm sure it was just the cutest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> And that's a great, and that's a great sediment to finding your niche at the market because there was an overabundance of tomatoes, and so she found the need for flowers right then and there, just by seeing what's at her market. But what a true pioneer to be, uh, you know, slow flowers before there was even a term, or even locally grown seasonal flowers. People didn't. I even really understand that. I'm sure that her customers just thought that's how all flowers came to market, right? Right. And there's like the first flowers at the market. She would sell out every time by 10 a.m. because she was the only one doing it. Mm, so cool. Well, so did you, Hans, go off to like, uh, you know, college or an adult, early, early adult life thinking you wouldn't come back to the farm? Or like, how did how did this bring us to that, that part of the story? Probably more. Uh, I was kind of a, a difficult kid, for sure, especially when in my, my teenage years. I've always would do uh, little flower things for my mom, uh, such as like, uh, you know, washing buckets or mm-hmm. uh, carrying the flower cart up and stuff like that. But I was pretty much done with it when I was a teenager and didn't want anything to do with it. And I thought it was a crazy thing to do. <laughs> um, and then I actually, I, I kind of, I worked in restaurants a lot, serving tape, tables. And then I went off to college when I was 25 and I graduated. <laughs> And that's where I met my, my wife, Lisa. We, we met at a restaurant and, uh, and then we had a, a, a child and I just was kind of at a loss of what I'm going to do with my life. If we wanted to keep on doing school and just keep furthering going into the, into debt right. or, uh, find some nurture my soul and my family. And, um, at and, the same time, Carol was kind of done. <laughs> yeah. And it just, something just worked with my soul. I was just wanting to get there and, and uh, go back to my roots and being able to have my family there and mm. Uh, mm. You know, just being able to keep that, that farm in the family too. It's, it's been really important. And, and raising our children and having them out at the farm has just been one of the most amazing things for, for me in my life. How, so do you have more than one child now? We have three kids. <laughs> so we've only been doing this with small children. Yeah. That is a definite <laughs> handicap, I will say. <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, our youngest is one and a half right now, too. So, <gasps> so one and a half up to what age? Uh, nine is my my oldest uh, daughter, Zoe. Well, they're having the childhood that you had, I guess. In in a in some ways, yes, they 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 are. They 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 run around in the same barn that I grew up in, and they've definitely dug their hands in the same dirt I did when I was a child. That is so special. So did did you? How did you learn to be a farmer? Do you think that a lot of it was just latent um, knowledge that you you didn't even know you had when you came back to it, or did you work side by side with Carol? I very much so. The the Dane County Farmers Market, the idea of coming over and taking the Dane County Farmers Market and taking over the farm was a process. Like you have to be a seven year apprentice in the business to take over the stand spot at the Dane County Farmers Market. It's kind of one of these rules. Wow. So I. We did a seven-year transition um, at the farm to take it over, and uh, um, that was great. I learned so many different things, and I was able to meet all these other amazing farmers that also we worked with, and uh, that's where I definitely accumulated a lot of my knowledge. Um, and- yeah, and Carol, I mean, as much as she said she's done, she was thrilled to have Hans on the farm working with her every day, so she was still back out there doing it all. I mean, we just talked to her, and she's in New Orleans, so she avoided winter now. Um, <laughs> so she can't wait to come back and plant some lilies, she was just telling us. So she she just loves it so much. So she was just, she didn't quite really stop until right. last year, because there's no way she's not going to touch those flowers. There, there's an addiction of, of reading <laughs> seed catalogs in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is a really fascinating. It was like an enforced, um, like a, like a trade apprenticeship or something that the that the rules um, imposed on you, Hans. Is that am I understanding yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the Dane County Farmers Market has a lot of rules, 
but they don't want you to sell your stand to someone who doesn't know what they're doing and, you know, taking a different direction. They want that farm to still be, you know, um, true to itself, mm-hmm. or, you know, you, that you understand what's going on. So it, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it worked pretty well for me, for sure. I mean, other people, not so much. I've heard some horror stories, but um, I understand the concept of it. Yeah, it's a very sought after market. So your spot is like highly sought after. Like we're grandfathered into a guaranteed spot every week in the same spot. And there's people that just like wait in line for hours just to get anywhere on that market. That's fascinating. And I guess the continuity is what they're going for. So many times the the, cha- yeah. the changeover happens within families rather than a, just a business transaction, right? Yeah. Correct. Wow. I mean, that rule book is 42 pages long. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Well, what a, what a great chapter for you. Do you live at the farm or what are, like, how does that, what's that set up like? We don't. We actually live about uh, 30 miles uh, to uh, to the west, closer to Madison. Okay. uh, To the east. And uh, that's just, we, we, separation from parents is always a good thing. Yeah, they still live there. And that's (laughs) definitely a very challenging part of our life is that we don't live on the farm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's good and bad. You know, there's any farmer knows how much work there is to be done all the time. And living where you work is helpful to that. But when you have our children are so young, it actually forces us to be home and get them from daycare in time for dinner. Right, um, right. And because of that, though, because we are working with such small children, we end up having to hire a quite a large staff for our small operation. Um, I have two full-time um, designers that help me with weddings, and Hans has one or two full-time people in the field with him. So it's a lot of staff, actually, yeah. and so especially with part-time people too, it gets a little bit much, a lot more than a lot of other flower farmers. Uh, deal with. Yeah. So, um, is the studio at the farm or is it at where, where you're living or closer to where you're living, uh, Lisa? It's at the farm. I always say that studio has to be where the flowers are because yeah. as much as I can plan and recipe and, you know, you know, budget out my week, um, there's, there's bound to be something that when I'm cutting, I'm like, Oh my, look at that one. It is the perfect <laughs> color. That has to go in her bouquet. And, and, or if you're making something and you break it, you're like, oh, no, I broke that cafe. I'm like, I can go get another one. It's, it's the best to be by the flowers. Mm, um, and that's it. where my giant cooler is. We have a big cool lot cooler. There's a walking cooler. And just everything was already kind of set up there um, from Carol because she started with the weddings as well. And she's, I'm, I apprenticed with her. So we both apprenticed with Carol. It takes two of us to equal her, I always <laughs> say. Um <laughs> And so, like, everything was there set up from the infrastructure-wise. Uh, the only thing that we've changed is she used to work out of her basement. Um, and then I needed a little more space to bring on my employees. And so my father-in-law built me a studio attached to the cooler. Very um, cool. And that's just been a god. Wow. So I didn't get the po- other part of the story uh, from what Hans said, Lisa. So you met this guy. You were kind of, you fell in love. You got married. You had a baby. And then he's, like, what possessed him to, I mean, or did you, did you go along with his idea or did it take some persuading to, to, you know, kind of change it up and, and move to the country? Right. Did I want to be a farmer all of a sudden? <laughs> um, so I was actually in the middle of getting my master's degree in early childhood education. Uh, my daughter was two years old and he's like, Hey, I want to move from Milwaukee to Madison and try to take over the family business. We're going to have to move in with the in-laws for a year first to save up some money. So I, I, I heard him when he said he wanted this life for his children. Mm-hmm. And it was so magical. And I had been there enough dating him for as long as I did. Um, I had been to enough holidays and stuff at the farm to know, like, this is the most magical little operation in a valley. Like, mm-hmm. before you know how much work it is, it looks super magical mm-hmm. <laughs> keep using that word yes. mm-hmm. right <laughs> but before you know involved, it is like the most adorable situation and so it's like sure let's give it a go but i'm not going to help you i'm going to continue getting my master's degree um and we'll just see what happens and so he would apprentice with carol during the day and he would work at night as a server um in order to get some money um because he, as the apprentice he's not really getting paid he's buying into the business and got so it. he got to get money somehow so he's like doing two jobs for, for one one paycheck um and so, but once I lived there, um, living with my in-laws was not hard. I know some people are the craziest thing. They are actually really awesome people, and I get along with them really well. Um, 
but just walking around every day with my daughter. So I was a stay at home mom when I went to school then, um, just being in the flowers, being on the farm, surrounded by the birds singing at you while Zoe's singing to Snapdragon. Mm. Like, well, this is pretty great. I could be here every day. And then, but I'm not going to be a farmer. This is good. I'm glad you're doing this farming. This is really lovely. I love coming to the market. This is so fun. But then Carol um, was like overwhelmed one weekend or something. And she's like, I really need some help in the studio. I know you can do this. Um, my bachelor's degree is in fine arts. So she's like, you're a crafty person, just like me. Come and try this. I'm only going to show you because it takes too long to train somebody. And you're, <laughs> and you're here. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> and so she showed me. And once I started doing it with her, I was hooked. I was like, this is creating art at a table all day long. Wow. That's my jam. I love it. Yeah. Your degree. Yeah. Well, my previous degree was, yeah, fine. So I'm so, it was just yeah. like who I was. I, I'm so fascinated with the number of people like you who studied fine art and, just didn't quite make the connection that flowers could be their medium until much later. Cause they're not teaching floral design in art school. So why would you even consider no. it? Right. And I knew nothing about flowers or that they were even an art form in any way, you mm -hmm. know, just, just saw them as what most people see them in the grocery store. And then I think it just Carol's approach too was just use your intuition let the flowers talk to you and then just learning all the basics from her, like the old school eighties mechanics of wiring and taping is so important. And yeah. just going from there. And then she's like, just be you try new things. And then I just got as much training as possible after that. So basically now you have kind of two businesses, you have the farm and the design studio kind of that you're both able to, you know, manage or be the lead person on those two different uh, parts of the business. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We could be there for um, 10, 12 hours and not see each other once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So um, now we're at the beginning of a new season. I'm sure Hans has already described what he's getting ready to plant. And I, I'm just curious, like, what 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 is new for you? What What are you getting excited about for 2020? Oh, there's a, a couple things. First of all, um, our, uh, our wholesale um, operation, because we used to do um, wholesale through uh, Fairfield Flowers, which was a kind of a, a cooperative yes. of local farmers that would get together. We would throw stuff on a truck and we'd go sell it. Um, and uh, a great farmer, uh, Joe Schmidt, kind of started doing that. Uh, and he's an absolute genius farmer. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, Jeannie McEwen, who's an absolute genius of the group, and it was uh, the mother who really kind of this uh, uh, core of it. And uh, it, it worked pretty well for a long period of time, but then Joe Smith kind of retired, and then we were at a loss of how to sell our flowers um, and wholesale after kind of Fairfield Flowers kind of went its own direction because mm -hmm. uh, it is really hard getting a bunch of people together to do one direction and selling flowers. Yeah, And so... Uh, I started up my own. Uh, I bought the truck to, to the Fairfield Flowers. No operating way! On it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, Is it's it... also a cooler truck, so it's a really kind of useful to have. Um, the really awesome Sprinter, and then uh, I just load my flowers on there that I want to sell, and I just take it to Forest, mm. and uh, I pull right up and sell it. And then if um, uh, other farmers who want to sell their stuff too, and they don't have an operation, I can put their stuff on the truck. And kind of no strings attached if it sells, and they can get money for it. Mm. Um, um, so you take a cut, and it has to meet your quality standards. Yeah, I, but very high quality standards. The muddy part that came with the Fairfield Flowers was coordinating all the different flower farmers and their pre-order list, and getting that all without the infrastructure. We just couldn't do it. Right. Um, and so with the three kids, and then bringing flowers into Madison, and we had to do something that worked with our life. And I think a lot of farmers will resonate with that. Like. What works for you and what you have going on to make it easier? Because it is a hard job. Right. Um, I'm so glad you brought up Fairfield Flowers. It truly was, the, as, as far as I know, the first cooperative effort among flower farmers to move product from the rural to the, to the urban. And when I got involved with the, my friends in Seattle starting the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, they really were looking at Fairfield Flowers as as an innovative model to, you know, pick and choose what facets would work for them. 
And I just, I think maybe it, it, it achieved what it needed to achieve, which was really raise awareness of local flowers in Wisconsin, in Madison and, and Milwaukee. And it's smart, it's smart that you, you know, took the piece of it that worked for you, get the truck and start your own kind of, you probably already had the relationships with those florists, uh, you know, after, after being part of Fairfield Flowers too. I did. Yeah, I, I, I knew um, a, a bunch of them, but you know, a lot of things is I knew we sold our flowers there. So I'd go to the shop and be like, hey, you used to buy my flowers. And it's good mm. to meet you. And mm. then make that uh, uh, relationship. And um, they're, they've been great relationships. And uh, it just it works really well for what we do because we do so many different bats. We don't know what we're going to have for a week for flowers. So we kind of restrict our pre-sales that way. I see. And, um, and if they want pre-sales, they can... Uh, uh, you know, I can try to get it to them, you know, and I'll try to confirm it the, the week of the run. But I also let them know that in our business model, you're not guaranteed pre-sales, even if I promise them. Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You don't say promise. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely more of a consignment, mm-hmm. shop the truck, pull up with the candy store of flowers for the forest. That's what they wanted. Yeah. We heard them loud and clear. We want to be able to go on there. And then they have, you know, certain floors that we work with, they have what they, what do they call it? Like a, Fun budget or a truck budget, yeah, <laughs> truck money. For their wedding, they have a truck budget. So I, have, I have a hundred dollars to spend on the truck today. Like, what do you got? Oh and wow, so that's kind of what we're doing. We can't do everything, and yeah. definitely people who do the pre-order things super well. But they're yeah. really experienced growers like Jeannie, who can Jeannie tell you exactly Jeannie. when things are ready. Joe Schmidt, you know, they do wholesale. They know exactly what they're going to have at all times and everything. And I'm not entirely sure because logistically for us it's it's really hard mm-hmm. well because our weddings are first day. first kind of, yeah weddings take you, everything and you don't really know until the week of of what weddings going to pull so lisa's like your biggest client or your first the first client you serve and then and then you still have goodies for everybody else yeah absolutely yeah so are you only taking the truck on a route into madison or like a, what's your geographical distribution on that Oh, so right now I am doing it in Madison. Uh, Fairfield Flowers used to touch on Milwaukee, um, but I'm not too sure if I'm going to go into Milwaukee. I would like to expand it down to another region. I've definitely thought about Chicago, but mm-hmm. that's quite the uh, quite the. You know, fall. it's so new what we're yeah. doing. We're just going to try to get a handle on making it more efficient. Pulls him away. He's the driver, so it's pulling him away from the farm for an entire day. Right. Uh, yeah, I'd like to be the customer service space of it while we're building it up the farmer should be the yeah. person talking to the client yeah so you you're pretty much doing that one day a week hans in terms of driving away from the farm right yeah one day a week i could do it you know a lot more but it just keeps me away from the farm no i hear you i think you've, you've kind of struck a balance and and maybe in a couple of years things will change maybe you'll get a second truck and hire somebody but you're building that you that, never know yeah, you're building that. Yeah, you're building that loyal relationship. I totally agree with you that the farmer needs to be the face of the flowers. I'm really glad you said that. Yeah, it just it makes a uh, in Fairfield Flowers. We tried before hiring people, an employee to go and sell the flowers, and it never worked for us. It was really, really ended up poorly. So I mean, Joe Schmidt was the, ended up being the truck driver uh, for a long period of time, and he was fantastic. And then the retired forest over and she was fantastic so yeah. you really have to know your flowers and yeah. you have to really want to develop these relationships these are your clients for a long term you have to like work at these mm-hmm. relationships um and hans is always so good at that talking to people and customer <laughs> service all that um, <laughs> we're on that wants to hide in the studio <laughs> i was gonna say all that all that all those restaurant gigs that you had hans totally prepared you for excellent customer service it sounds like yeah. <laughs> Well, and the farmer's market too, but you, when you're on the farm, you don't talk to anybody. You just listen to your podcast. So when you get to see somebody, you just like start talking and everyone's like trying to get away from you. <laughs> I love it. It's great. You've got a great personality. It's fun. Wow. So, and um, with that going going on for, for you know, building that wholesale business to Flores um, and the weddings growing, do you have time to teach workshops or do any kind of on-farm events or is that just... Not, that's a future thing. Well, that is actually something we're trying new this year. Um, I've, the workshops I've done in the past were like in-home private workshops, and a lot of it revolved around evergreen wreath making mm. um, and Christmas types of stuff when I had more time. Um, this year, I'm seeing a lull in my spring wedding bookings, and so 
I'm thinking to myself, well, besides like Mother's Day and that first market, how else can I bring in the income in order to pay labor to plant my seeds? Um, and so I'm, I offered for the first time a uh, spring centerpiece workshop. I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And not on the farm because the only place I have to teach on the farm is outside. Mm. Um, and it's just not predictable weather early in the year. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do it once on the farm when it's warmer and you like, I can have a tent and things like that. And then sure. we can cut our own flowers and I have that in development. But um, so, so far so good. Like I put the workshop up and two days later it was sold out. I have to add another section so that I can teach um, another one like, right, right in a row while I'm already there with all my stuff. Um, and then I'm going to try to do more of them. Wow. Just to get people just to our farm, touching flowers. Um, I just feel like there's something to it. Like, look at where they come from. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not fields of flowers like you thought it was because if we're doing it right, they're in the cooler. But come cut the zinnias for your bouquet that you're going to make with me. I have everything else ready. Let's go tour the fields and have some fun. Um, and, you know, it's a great way to sell flowers. Uh, and I, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. And where did you say you're having the, the spring mm. design workshop? I am. And I, I rented out a studio that's a photography studio. So it's like a really beautiful space with lots of light. Um, and I'm going to do the spring workshop. Uh, um, right. Closer to the mm-hmm. city. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that uh, if I try to do it in Mount Horb, I don't actually have enough of a Mount Horb presence because our market is in Madison mm-hmm. and all my weddings are in Madison. Um, I find it easier to sell tickets when I'm in Madison. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's exciting. Um, yeah, it, it's good too because you're you're kind of beta testing that model, and you'll see whether you know how to adjust quantities yeah. of flowers and pricing and all of that. But it's your customers are in flower flower enthusiasts, not professionals. It sounds like, or your students. Right. Well, I'm gonna we'll see what happens. Actually, this first spring centerpiece workshop it is for anybody. Um, but I am gonna hold a workshop. I I have like the thing for it on my website, but I don't have any details yet, but like if people want to join the waiting list, I'm going to do a Lysianthus bouquet intensive. Ooh. So that is learning to make a bridal bouquet, but I have a lot of young flower farmers and I say young in like their first years of experience starting off wanting to know how to do things like that. And so that's the one you come to my farm when Lysianthus are just like filled in the hoop house and you're going to come use all those beautiful flowers, look tour my farm, and then we're going to make something there. Um, so that's that will, neat. yeah, that's beta testing for that one as well. <laughs> Well, the, the the bridal bouquet that's on the homepage of Sunborn Gardens is a gorgeous Lysianthus bouquet. And I'm looking at it while we're talking and thinking, who needs roses? I mean, this is this is That's how I feel. <laughs> this is touching that same romantic, you know, chord that or striking that same romantic chord that people think of with roses, but these are longer lasting, super full, and just vivid and Incredible flowers. They are by far the most famous. Calias are one of our most popular things for weddings. So Lysianthus are my favorite thing we grow. Mm. You know, we all know they're very hard to grow. We grow 8,000 a year. We love them. And I grow as many varieties of the ruffles as possible. That bouquet that you're looking at, every stem in there was from our farm. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's like one of those things that you have to, when the brides give you those pictures, of those rose bouquets, be like, I see what you're going for. What about this flower, you know, and it's always looking at this. I think we also try to not sell our uh, our weddings based on what flowers are in there. We always try to do like color, you know, style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do floral design too, Hans? Um, no, but you know, <laughs> I, I I say my opinion, and it's always not wanted. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually been learning a little with me um he's been helping me in this studio this year i bet you're pretty good i love it well um i just wanted to ask you one more question about that photo we're gonna have to share it the one that's on your uh website because um there are some little delicate grasses popping up above the uh lysianthus along with i think chocolate cosmos but are those grasses from that that native prairie area that you talked about I'm trying to picture the bouquet in my mind. I'm guessing, yes, uh, there's some sort of native. It's the one that sprays out, Hans. That's yes. more like a. It's, it's sweet. A jingly. We it's, call it a jingly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jingly stem. All right. Well, we don't have yeah. to. We don't have to test you on that. I just it. it <laughs> when you were describing those wonderful prairie ingredients, on as I was looking at this bouquet and listening to you, I was picturing how unique it is to have those those Wisconsin touches that uh, probably really resonate with with uh, 
most of the couples that you work with because they're probably either from Wisconsin or have some connection to the state if they're getting married there. Yeah, I've had the specific request for please include native prairie plants because, you mm. know, Madison's a nice bubble for people who are very eco-friendly. And so I do get those requests. Mm. And, and yes, that is definitely from the prairie because um, I'm remembering I made a hanging flower cloud to go with it. It was all prairie grass. Um, so, yeah. Wow, that sounds fabulous. Oh, all right. Well, hey, I know we want to keep talking, but we're going to wrap it up. Uh, what did I not ask you that you wanted to make sure you communicated in the podcast today? Um, I think that, you know, I think we covered any, everything except for maybe how things are going forward in the future. But, you know, that yeah. seems like for another time, maybe. <laughs> oh, well, no, give us a snapshot and then we'll 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 close it up. Um, I think for us, it's just um, finding our florists are starting to catch on that they don't need to overpromise varieties to their clients and that they can be flexible. And so that people, like they have those truck budgets and they can just get whatever um, the best is of that season and that they're finding that's how they get it. Um, and a big thing I'm working on is besides full service weddings is I have developed a special a la carte system to, in order to streamline our process, to make it easier um, and if people are interested in that, you can go to my website to learn more about it. But it's basically like giving very limited options for people who just want pretty flowers, who don't have a lot of money, making it kind of accessible to everybody. Um, people like me and Hans, when we got married, like this is the kind of option we would want. So when you say a la carte. I want a white and green bouquet. Yeah. So when you say yeah. a la carte, it's kind of a little bit um, limited in terms of like personal flowers or something like that, right? Right, like you can get buckets of flowers to make your own centerpieces or we can make them for you, but this isn't something we're setting up and this isn't something that you get to pick and choose like your blooms. You, I have four color palette options um, and then you're just going to already have, you know, these people that are signing up and they're signing up a lot this year, just like our stuff, want flowers to be easy and they're, you know, like I want burgundy and blush flowers in fall. This looks like a great option for me. I want six bouquets mm, and, you know, right, right. 10 bouquets. Sign me up, then we don't have to have any more communication when I'm so busy. It's just kind of like an easy, simple order. And eventually, I think it would be really easy to do it all online ordering or something like that. But I'm noticing it's super popular this year. Yeah. And also, if there's any people who are interested in wholesale in the region and they want to sell in my truck, they can, they can try to contact me if they're interested <laughs> for that. <laughs> All right. I love it. I can't wait to come visit you. I have been wanting to get to Wisconsin. There's such a great community of flower people there, including you and others that, of course, we've had on the podcast. And I just, yeah. um, I need to figure out how to take a stop, make a stop in Madison coming or going from some other place. So I'll let you know if I can do that because I'm dying to see your beautiful place. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Great. Well, listen, we're going to share some uh, photos from Sunborn Gardens. And um, Hans, you've got to find a photo of yourself as a little kid in that basket with the kittens because uh, or something like that. I'm teasing. It's OK. Uh, I just love that story. Um, and I just wish you a great season. And I'm so glad you're willing to share your story on the podcast. I've been wanting to uh, invite you both on for so long. And this was perfect timing. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right. Take good care. You yeah. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. What a wonderful visit with two passionate flower lovers. Well, we've made it through the first month of a new year and a new decade. If you missed the February Slow Flowers newsletter in your inbox earlier this week, you can find a link to that mailing in today's show notes as well. We've got lots of goodness going on and you won't want to miss out on opportunities to get involved with campaigns, content and events that benefit you and your brand. Among other things, the newsletter celebrates one of our top highlights for the new year so far. January witnessed our largest burst of growth ever with 23 new members joining and 61 members renewing last month. Welcome all. 
Our next sponsor thanks goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Thanks to ASCFG for returning as a Slow Flower sponsor for 2020. We're launching a fun podcast series this year in which I will catch up with all of the regional directors across North America. So listen for news about what's happening in your area. The registration for the Slow Flower Summit continues and we're more than 50% sold out. Please join me on June 28th through 30th and connect with our fabulous speakers. Enjoy the incredibly beautiful venue at Filoli Historic House and Garden and experience the many features that will immerse you in the people, principles, and practices of Slow Flowers. You can check out all the details by following the link in today's show notes or just head to slowflowerssummit.com where you can register to join us at an incredibly affordable rate of $599 for two and a half days inclusive of program and meals. Slow Flowers members enjoy a discount at $549. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 573,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.